Welcome back to the Play Action Pod episode 13, and this week we got Brock back. You you want to talk? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, what yeah. up? <laughs> yeah, we missed him on a Sunday for our recap for, what was that, week seven? Are we, are week, we week, week six, week six. Week yeah. six recap. So we're bringing you a week seven viewer's guide slash preview. And uh, yeah, this is probably going to be the craziest week of college football so far. I think there's six ranked matchups, two of those being in the top 10. And uh, yeah, I think, is it three undefeated matchups? Yeah. Uh, let's see, Penn State, Michigan, Alabama, Tennessee, and... Oklahoma State, and uh, TCU. Oh, and uh, no, NC State has a loss, never mind. I was going to say NC State, Syracuse. So yeah, three. Three, yeah, so three undefeated matchups. Should be a pretty crazy one. So we had to do six. We had to do our top six games of the week. Usually we do five, but... Um, there was just too many that we had to cover, but it's good to have Brock back. The episode on Sunday was pretty rough just because I was sitting here talking to uh, my computer screen, but I was able to get that out. And uh, but you know, we're uh, happy to have you back, Brock. Thank yeah, you. it's it's, uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, we you missed know? you. It was it was tough not being on the pod on Sunday, but it's good to be back and you know ready to go again. Ready to go. You actually did pretty well with your picks. Yeah, I did. Four I think, and one. Yeah, it was four and one. So yeah. pretty solid. But I, think, I don't think I picked any upsets. I think I went yeah, with the favorites. Just, yeah, and I picked all the upsets and I was just wrong. So but I did not yeah. pick against Bama. That was the one I got right. So Yeah, we don't do that around. We, yeah, we know the trend. We know the theme is to just always pick Bama. Ever since uh what was it who who did you pick? Arkansas. Arkansas. Oh yeah, and then they just got blown out. They so. just lose three straight. So. <laughs> they were a top ten yeah. team and now they're just It's you the know, curse, dude. It's the curse. Yeah. Sorry about that, Arkansas yeah, fans. Sorry about that. <laughs> you're, uh, fight, you're fighting for bowl eligibility right now, so you'd yeah. be lucky to get bowl eligible. Yeah, that's tough. Well, I think we're going to jump into our uh, our segment of the top games of the week. Starting with the top 10 matchup, it's going to be number 10 Penn State going to the big house to play number 5 Michigan. This game will be 10 a.m. on Fox. Um, the line right now, Michigan by 7. And uh, so a little bit of history between this matchup. Penn State has won the last two out of three, and they're coming off of a bye week last week. And we get a uh, we get a pretty good quarterback matchup between uh, Sean Clifford and JJ McCarthy, and also a really great art running back matchup between uh, Nick Singleton and Blake Corum, who you can make the argument is the best running back in the country right now for Michigan. But you know. What do our listeners have to look out for in this phenomenal, you know, top 10 matchup in the big house on Saturday morning, Brock? Yeah, so this is a this is an interesting one. Um, you got two teams that want to run the ball, and that's kind of all they really want to do. They don't really want to pass it if they don't have to. So I think you're going to see two teams trying to set the tone of the football game with, you know, running the football. You know, we saw it last time Penn State played. They played against Northwestern. They ran the ball 58 times and only threw it 20. So Penn State's going to want to run the ball. They have a couple fantastic backs. They got uh, Singleton, and they also got uh, Katron Allen, too. So two really great running backs, and they're going to try to run the ball, take some pressure, and, you know, take the crowd out of it in the big house. And then, you know, you got Michigan with, you know, Blake Corum. They're going to also try to, to pound the rock and see what they can do on the ground. That dude's a beast, Blake Corum. And if you look at these quarterbacks, I'm looking at their stats right now, they almost look identical. Like Sean Clifford, you know, 
just over 1,000 yards, 9 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. J.J. McCarthy, just over 1,100 yards, 9 touchdowns, 1 interception. So, I mean, yeah, both these teams just kind of like to run the ball, open that up, and then make it easier for the quarterbacks for sure. Yeah, when you know, when you have a power run game like both these teams do, it's really easy to be the quarterback. So all you got to do is just, you know, you just got to be a game manager. You just got to manage the game. And when you need to throw it, just make the plays that you need to make. And, you know, your job's simple. But, yeah, I think this is going to come down to, you know, and I think what's interesting about this game too as well is both teams are top 10 against the run in the nation. So, you know. It's a good run defense. They run the ball really well, and then they also defend the run really well. So, obviously, something has to give. And we'll see, you know, who it gives for. You know, maybe both teams struggle to run the ball. And, you know, we see, you know, McCarthy and, and Clifford go at it through the air, which I would be very surprised. Because mm-hmm. even, even if they're not moving the ball, I'd expect them to still, you know, try to run as much as possible. So you might end up seeing a low-scoring game here, which might surprise a little, like, some people. You might see, you know, only, you know, three, four touchdowns both ways. So it'll be interesting to kind of see – how this game turns out, especially with Michigan being at home, playing at the big house. You know, we know what kind of effect that has on teams. We saw it last year with, you know, Ohio State. So this is a big game for Michigan because I've been really critical of Michigan because I just don't think – I don't think that in a game where they're going to need to throw the ball, I don't think they can be effective. Yeah. And so I've been really critical of Michigan. Just because of, like, their schedule? Well, that and I just I just think when they play, you know, these better teams like Penn State, Ohio State, I just don't think they can run, they can pass the ball when they're going to need to because okay. you know they're gonna Penn State's gonna slow the run more than other teams have, and you know they're gonna put them in a couple third and long situations where they're gonna have to throw the football, and I just don't think Michigan can do it. Which like, team? Effectively. Which team do you think has had the easier schedule so far? Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. for sure. Because both both of these teams they haven't played. They haven't had a ranked matchup all year so far. So the first big test for both of them. For Penn State, I look at kind of how road tested they are. You know, I know you can look at Auburn and Purdue and kind of be like, you know, maybe they're not the bestest of teams. But on the road at Purdue, week one was a tough game for Penn State. And I think they really learned a lot about their football team that that night. And, you know, same with Auburn. I know they blew them out and they were dominant of a, you know, maybe a mediocre Auburn team. But Still, going on the road to SEC country is no joke. So they uh, they really impressed me with those two road wins. And then for Michigan, I know they played the whole Mountain West Conference, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, who didn't they play in the Mountain West? But um, The good ones, the good ones in the Mountain West. That's who they didn't play. But, yeah, it's like the last three weeks, you know, Maryland. And then, you know, I will give them credit. On the road to Iowa is, is a lot tougher game than, you know, a lot of people will give them for. Yeah. And then Indiana gave them everything last week. I know it was like 10-10 at halftime. Yeah, I know. You look at the score, 31-10, to 10, that doesn't really tell the story of exactly. how that game really played out. I know it was, it was pretty close going into the second half. Exactly. So I just that's why I'm just not too high on Michigan because I just haven't seen them. You know, I, they've obviously put a great performance together against, you know, Colorado State, who's probably the worst team in the FBS. You know, yeah. Hawaii, who's also one of the worst teams in the FBS. And UConn. even UConn, who's also one of the worst teams in the FBS. You I know? think that there was a stat that came out earlier this year that they were actually the top three worst teams really? in the was FBS. It? it was something like that. Yeah, so it's like they obviously put together three great performances against those teams, but Maryland at home, Maryland's an okay team. I think they're one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, they barely beat him by a touchdown. And then Iowa on the road, I know Iowa gave him a ton of trouble on the road as well. 
And then, you know, last week in Bloomington against Indiana. So that's why I'm just not too high on this Michigan team. I want to see them put it together against a good team, and they're going to they're gonna get that chance this week against uh, Penn State. Yeah, we'd like to see them prove you wrong because, I don't know, you've been pretty critical of this Michigan team. I, I mean, so have I as well, I mean, based off of their schedule. But, I mean, first big test for both these teams. I'm excited to, um, you know, to see how this Penn State team performs. I know that they started off the year unranked and then just have signed it, like, kind of slowly crept their way like up the rankings and making their way in the top 10 is pretty cool to see. No, yeah. And I think another thing we need to talk about with Michigan is how do they have eight home games? Yeah. How do you play at home eight times? Like, is maybe That's one of these is a neutral side or something? I don't think so, though, but eight home games? Two-thirds of your schedule is at home? So I know they have Ohio State on the road, but I think these next two weeks are going to be really big for Michigan. You know, Michigan State, as poor as they've been, it's a rivalry game. Yeah. You, know, you can you never know what to expect in those rivalry games. So, you know, they could – I guess that's in two weeks, so they actually have a bye next week. But, you know, that Michigan State game could cause them trouble. But I'm just not high on this Michigan team because I haven't seen them put it together against what I would call, you know, really solid or really – above average team so yeah. they get that chance this week and you know if they they put together a great performance against penn state and beat them at home you know they might change my opinion yeah. on them but i'm just not too high on them right now all right let's jump into uh predictions with that being said i'm going to take the michigan yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding I, I actually really do like penn state this week really you know i think i think if this game was at penn state it would be very it would be a lot easier for yeah. me to pick them but i am still going to pick them on the road because i think the thing that separates Penn State from Michigan is is they have two like Blake Corum is is the best back in this in this football game, but I think Penn State has two really really good running backs. Yeah, and so I think they they can you know switch between them and be successful with that. And I think Sean Clifford is a very capable passer. You know, I've I've seen him make plays, um, especially early against Purdue, yeah. where you know he. He basically kind of carried the team to that to that victory. So I, I just think Sean Clifford's, you know, a better quarterback than McCarthy. And I think the game is going to come down to a quarterback having to make a play to win. Cause I think it's I just think it's gonna be that tight. So we'll kind of see how that goes. But I like Penn State on the road. I'm just not too high on Michigan. I'm a little bit higher on Penn State. I think they're the team that can challenge Ohio State for the Big Ten. So I got Penn State winning this one. Uh, I think I think it'll be really really tight. What I like, what I, like I said, maybe by just like a field goal, or maybe even a touchdown. So like a, a three to seven point game win for for Penn State on the road. Yeah, I think um, we've both been really critical of Michigan so far, and uh, I got Penn State as well. Um, they've been road tested earlier this year. Played Auburn on the road. Pretty sure it was a sold out crowd, probably ninety thousand there. And um, I don't know. I just don't like how Michigan hasn't really blown out teams like Maryland and Iowa and even Indiana. Like, I thought Indiana had a chance to win last week. Probably a team that you should blow out. I know Big Big Ten is super competitive, but but still I expected them to take care of business. And uh, I don't know, I just think Penn State will get the win on the road against Michigan, even though it's in the big house. Second game, we got another top 10 matchup. This one in the SEC, number three, Alabama, going at number six, 
Tennessee. This game's 1.30 on CBS in Knoxville. Game day's back in Knoxville for the second time. This year I kind of expected them to maybe go to the, the Michigan and Penn State game, but I guess, you know, got to give the SEC the love that they always get. And they're heading back there. A little history between these teams. Bama, they've won 15 straight. And Tennessee, their last win was 2006 in Knoxville. So, uh, yeah, I'm, we'll, we'll have to see if Bama, you know, keeps the ball rolling. Both teams undefeated this season. Tennessee, I mean, they've been looking unbelievable all year under, I mean, great leadership at quarterback, Hendon Hooker. And they've had a pretty good resume as well, you know, with their wins at Pitt, Florida, and then LSU on the road last week. Blew them out. So, something to look out for. Bama also looking good as they seem to do every year, you know, 6-0 and start. Played some close ones, including week two against Texas. They won by one. And then last week was, what was that, one score? Or how much they went by? A&M. Yeah. Uh, four. Like four right. points? Four. Yeah, so four points. Obviously, Bryce didn't play, so played a big factor in that being a close game against Texas A&M. But, you know, the question on the table is, will Bryce be ready to go on Saturday and if not, should Tennessee be the favorite to win this game if Bryce isn't going to play? I thought Bryce should have played last week. I don't know. I guess, you know, I don't know the extent of the injury, but listen to what Joel Klatt had to say about it. He said it's an injury that you can very much play through. And, you know, Joel Klatt tore his his AC joint. So, I don't know. I thought Bryce Young should have played last week. I'd be shocked if he doesn't play this week especially with kind of what this game means. And this is this is probably Alabama's best test yeah. so far. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got to play. I just don't see any reason he doesn't. And we'll kind of see if that shoulder affects how he plays too. Maybe he's a little bit safer with, with some of the tackles he takes and maybe doesn't use his legs as much to avoid getting hit. So if he does play, that could be a big question mark for, um, for Alabama. You think this is a bigger test than their game against Texas in week two? Yes, just because of the injury of Quinn. I think just because of like where or what this game could mean to the SEC. Okay. So I think that game against Texas at the time it just didn't really mean as much. Like it was it still meant something. You know, it's a regular season game. You want to win those games. Yeah. You know, you wanna go into conference play with, with a good with some good momentum building, but I think for this, this is an SEC game. You know, this is a direct reflection on, you know, how you do in the conference against, you know, I think not even arguably anymore, the third best team in the conference. I think it's, you know, Alabama, Georgia, and then Tennessee. So Really? You got Georgia ahead of Tennessee? I got I, I would just go, like, rankings-wise. Okay. Just because of, like, where they are in the rankings. But it's fair. Um, I think Tennessee's good, and I think we've learned a lot about Tennessee. But... I think it's different when you beat everybody else except, you know, Alabama and Georgia, you know. Yeah. That's kind of the standard. So if Tennessee beats Alabama, you know, you could easily make the argument that they're the best team in the SEC. Yeah. But you got to see them do it against the elites of the conference and, you know, they get their chance this week at home, college game day, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a loud one. Yeah. As well. They'll probably have that what is it checkered? They got the checkered fans. I think I saw that they're doing the just orange. a straight orange hour or oh, something really? like that. Yeah, that'll be cool. I think some Tennessee fans were upset about it. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be, you know, 
Tennessee's known for having that god awful orange. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. There's just like I, I I like orange, but Tennessee orange is just something weird about you don't it, like it for me. So I, I don't I don't love is it because it it's like a yellow orange kind of. It's it's just a weird color of orange. I don't know. It's like a it's like a faded like orange kind of. I don't know. So you like a Syracuse orange better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing against Tennessee. Yeah, nothing just, against orange. I just think the orange is just kind of, it's weird. But, you know, it looks nice when they do that checkered board, like you are yeah, saying. Yeah, I like the checkered. Well, I, I think that looks really sick. But I think that looks better than, like, an orange out. So. Oh, yeah. So. Personally. Yeah, this team's, they've been looking phenomenal all year. Let's, let's just say it, you know. Last week, I picked LSU to win at home against, against Tennessee. Completely proved me wrong, you know. Tennessee got the win 40-13. to 13. Hendon Hooker looked unbelievable. Made a, you know, a pretty good LSU team look look not so great. So, I don't know. It's kind of what Tennessee has been doing to teams all year. And and I, you think that if, if they win this game against Bama, you think they'll be number one in the AP? Or at least, do you think they deserve to be? I think they deserve to be. Will they be? Probably not because the AP is weird like that, but... I think they they should be. You know, if they, they if they might. beat Alabama, they have the resume. You know, they really do. On the road at Pitt, you know, on the road at LSU, Florida at home, Alabama at home, like four. I don't, I don't think there's any team in the nation that could have the maybe maybe Clemson maybe because they have two top fifteen wins, but yeah, that's about it. So yeah. I I would make the argument that Tennessee should be number one, but you know the AP won't view it that way, which yeah. which is unfortunate, but. Yeah. I think a big talking point for for this game is obviously, you know, you know Bryce Young obviously if he plays or not, but I think for Tennessee and what makes their season so impressive so far is is Cedric Tillman hasn't been playing, you know, their star wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So Hendon Hooker's been doing this without arguably his best target. I know Brew McCoy has really stepped it up and put up some impressive numbers the last couple of weeks, but I think Tennessee's going to need Cedric Tillman to play this week. I think they, they're going to need all the weapons they can get because this Bama defense is, is nice with it. So yeah, they, they they're going nice to need everybody healthy on this offense. And this is going to be a game of fireworks too. You know, yeah. we got you know Tennessee, who's the number two scoring offense in the nation, going against Alabama, who's the number five scoring offense in the nation. So defenses, you know – and. And their defense, both defenses have been good too. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a real battle of who can slow down the offense of the other, and that will probably be what decides, you know, the winner for this one. Yeah. Why do you think the game last week for Alabama was that close? You think it was? You think it was Bryce's absence? I think it definitely played a factor, but I also think Texas A&M players just took, you know, took offense to what. Nick Saban was saying during the yeah. offseason, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they just had this game circled, you know, at the start of the season. I'm sure, I'm sure it was. They they really came to play. I was yeah. really impressed with the effort of a lot of Texas A&M players. I don't think I've, I think that's probably the best game that Texas A&M put together all season, and they probably should have won too. You know, I think yeah. the play call at the end was kind of, it's kind of meh, kind of questionable, whatever. But I think you should argue that Alabama should be going into this game with a loss. And you know Texas A&M should have a win over a uh, over the number one team in the nation. Maybe the two losses with two Texas. Yeah, teams. With, with Texas. Yeah, so they were pretty fortunate that Queen went down in the second quarter of that game because I don't know T- Texas had so much momentum going into that injury, and then you know obviously slowed things down when the backup came in. But 
I, I expect Bryce to play this weekend. I know that we checked his status, and it's questionable. But I think that Saban really likes to keep that, you know, he, he, he likes to keep that stuff pretty low-key. You know, keep the keep the opponent on their toes. Jaden Moreau, he's, he's a good backup. I mean, four-star out of, I think it was Texas or something. KD, Texas, isn't Yeah, it? KD, Texas. Yeah, we covered on him last week because we knew he was getting the start against A&M. But I don't know. I don't think that – I think Bama needs Bryce this week because this is going to be the biggest test for this Alabama team so far this year. No, yeah, and I'm interested to see because I also think Bryce will play. I think even if Bryce – isn't a hundred percent ready to go. I think he's going to kind of force his way yeah. to play in this game because you know it's it's two top six teams going at it. Like you know how how do you not want to play yeah. in a game like this, especially on the road in a great road environment? But I think if Bryce Young does play, I'm interested to see how the shoulder affects him. You know, does he? You know, like I was saying earlier, does he? You know, slide a lot more mm-hmm. instead of maybe taking some contact, or you know, if does he throw the ball away too so he doesn't take sacks? Um, so it's going to be interesting to kind of see what he looks like if he does play. But, you know, I think if Jalen Milrow does play, he needs to, he needs to play the best game of his life. Yeah. Yeah. Because he really does. I think he turned it over what three, it was like three times last week. I think he had a pick and a couple fumbles. Yeah. You can't do that against Tennessee. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll punish you and they'll put points on the board. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, it's I think this is the most uncertainty we kind of have for Alabama going into a game in a little bit. Yeah. You know, because of the quarterback situation, but you already know Will Anderson's gonna be ready to play. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, he's and gonna, that whole defensive squad just yeah oh, NFL yeah. talent all over. I think the line, Vegas opening the line up at seven and a half, kind of means that Bryce is gonna play. Like they must yeah. know something because I think if Monroe is the starter. I don't even see Bama as a favorite for this game, personally. Yeah, and it'd be interesting if if they're picking this line based upon, you know, Bryce Young not playing. Because, you know, if Bryce Young does play, and it is Dennis that he does play, I wonder if the line shoots up a little bit. Yeah. So we'll have to pay attention to kind of mm-hmm. what it looks like there. But, yeah, yeah I, think, I think I agree with that. I think uh, Vegas expects him to play. Yeah. So I think that's kind of why the line is where it's at right now. But. And Bama's won 15 straight, so yeah. Nick Saban has never lost to Tennessee. Yeah. Does that? I wonder if that streak ends. You know, 15 and 0. I would like to see it end. 15 and 0. Do you know that's that's crazy to me. 15 and 0. Tennessee is like a really good program. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's interesting that they've never gotten one over Alabama. Maybe this is their year, though. So we'll kind of have to see how it goes. But I think jumping into just a a prediction right here. Yeah. I'm still going to take Alabama. Um, I've learned my lesson from picking against Alabama. I think Bryce Young will play. And I think Bryce Young will be a little bit more not hungry because I think Tennessee will be ready to play this game. But I think he, he'll he have like a little chip, literally a little chip on his shoulder. I don't get that. Just because he got the shoulder injury. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. A little bit of pun there. But now, I, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to – you know, I think he's a little upset he didn't play last week. And – I think he's going to be ready. I thought he was healthy to play last week. If he wasn't healthy to play last week, I think he's going to be 100% healthy to play this week. And, you know, I think he's going to make just one more play than Tennessee will, and then that will be the difference in the game. Okay. So, so kind of like be, the Texas game where they needed that drive at the end. Yeah, 
Okay. I, I think he'll just make one more play that Tennessee doesn't make, and and that will kind of be it. Yeah. And it's not that I don't like Tennessee. I think Hendon Hooker has been balling, and I 100% see a pathway for Tennessee to win this football game and shock the world. But yeah. I just think Alabama makes one more play than Tennessee does, and I think it comes down to Bryce Young making that play. Yeah. I got Tennessee winning this game, and uh, I think that's regardless if Bryce is healthy or not. I think if if Milrow starts, Tennessee will win by a bigger margin, but I think Bryce will start, but Tennessee has just been looking phenomenal all year. Um, and I, I kind of just want to pick against Bama because I, I don't think I have all year. Be careful. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'll probably be regretting this when we do our recap on Sunday, but you know, Tennessee at home, they've won the big game so far, and I think they're going to do it again. So why not? Yeah, and I think I think this is the most prepared Tennessee has been, you know, during that 15-game losing streak to Alabama. This is probably the most prepared they've been yeah. to take down Alabama. So, you know, they we'll just, see. I think I think Hendon Hooker has to has to get it done. You know, I yeah. think he has to I think this is his Heisman moment right here. Yeah. I think if he gets the job done this week, I think we will be talking about Hendon Hooker as the Heisman favorite. Yeah, for sure. So. And Tennessee at number one in the country. I'm calling it right now. I, I hope so. I hope I would, so. They, I would they hope deserve so. to. And you look back at, I mean, their Florida game, 38-33. to 33. But that was, what Florida got was an onside kick towards the end of the game. They were dominating basically that entire game. They were up two scores with yeah. like four minutes left yeah. or something. So. so, I mean, I would say that that was more of a two-score victory for um, Tennessee, and then the game last week against LSU, dominant as well. So I see them rolling that momentum into this week and just getting it done against Crimson Tide this weekend. All right, so the third game we're going to talk about is going to be number eight, Oklahoma State, going at number 13, TCU. This will be 1.30 on ABC in Fort Worth, Texas. The line opened up at TCU at 3.5. And a little bit of history between these teams. The last four years, the home team has won this matchup. And the last time the Cowboys won in Fort Worth was back in 2016. This year, we get an undefeated matchup. Both teams 5-0, and coming off two impressive back-to-back wins. I know that Oklahoma State beat Texas Tech last week and then at Baylor the week before. And then TCU, obviously, last week. Beat Kansas on the road for game day, and then a big one against Oklahoma the week before that. So a little bit of a quarterback battle. Spencer Saunders versus Max Duggan, who I know Brock has a lot of high praise for. He's been talking about him all year. Both very high-scoring offenses. And when I look down at these these stats for um, both teams, they look almost identical. I mean, points per game is to the, to the decimal. 46.4 for both teams. And both around that 24 points per game allowed. So, I mean, pretty pretty, uh, pretty similar teams in that fact. And uh, it should be a great, you know, high-scoring game to look out for this Saturday. And it could be the one that determines who's the best team in the Big 12. No, yeah, so we got my boy Max Duggan and his TCU Horned Frogs. So this is a great game. I'm super excited about this one. Um I think last time we did our predictions, I think I had Oklahoma State or TCU for the so for the Big Twelve for the Big Twelve, yeah. So I think this will this will decide who the or is. Or you like, had both. You I think had both of them being a one. I think I picked Oklahoma State, or I think I picked TCU, and then I was like, man, I can't, 
Yeah. I can't do Oklahoma State yeah. like that. So, man, and I think this is interesting because I've been saying too for a while that Oklahoma State's pretty underrated, especially by me. Uh, I, I really underrate Oklahoma State. I think they are a really good football program. And I think they finally kind of have the pieces to, you know, to finally do it, you know, to finally get into the playoff and yeah. win the Big 12. And I think Spencer Saunders is a is a huge piece of that. So, you know, he's got to... He's got to go on the road again. You know, we saw him do it against Baylor when they were ranked, what was that, two weeks ago, like you yeah, said? Yeah, they were ranked 16th, Baylor was. So, you know, we saw him do it two weeks ago. He's going to have to do it again, you know, this upcoming week against what I think is a better TCU TCU team. But Than Baylor? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, yeah, this is going to be interesting, you know. I think, I think it's the third and fourth highest scoring offenses in the NCAA. So similar to the... The Bama game. Bama, yep. Yeah. Except I think, you know, these teams are not as good on defense as, you know, okay, Bama yeah. and Tennessee. So they're around that twenty four point, you know, points allowed per game range. It's so, pretty high. It is that Rel- is really relatively. High. So, you know, you could generally see this game, you know, finish forty eight, forty five, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. I think it's gonna come down to, you know, kind of everybody else. If that makes sense, you know, I think I think Duggan and, and Sanders are going to make plays, but I think it's going to come down to you know, the receivers for, for you know, catching important balls, and then you know the running backs for, for you know, kind of taking the load off of the quarterbacks when, mm-hmm. when needed. But I'm pretty sure uh, Johnson, the Oklahoma State receiver, I think he leads the the NCAA in passes caught over 20 yards. Okay, so he's like a real deep threat for them. I believe it's him. Okay. It's one of the receivers, but so that'll be that'll be huge because you know you, you always want to have high explosive plays in your mm-hmm. offense to kind of you know get your team moving, especially when it's going to be like a pretty high offensive battle. Yeah, exactly. So if you can score quick and and easy, it's you know it's going to make your life on offense a lot easier. So yeah, this is going to be an interesting game, and I'm really excited to kind of see who you know really grabs a hold of the Big Twelve. Yeah, and I'm assuming that. You're going to continue to probably ride that Max Duggan train as you have all year. But the Big 12, they're, it's pretty interesting this year. Now that you kind of factor TCU, I mean, no, Texas back into the conversation for maybe being one of the better teams in the Big 12 after their kind of shaky start. Now that Quinn Ewers is back, they looked really good last week. So, I mean, I think, yeah, quick question. You think, you think Texas would be either of these teams right now? Maybe not right now, just because I think they're still trying to figure out how to, you know, incorporate Quinn Ewers back into the offense. I think Texas has a couple weeks, I believe, until they start playing the big boys again, right? Yeah. So I think I think they'll use those weeks to kind of get the offense back in motion and fluid again. And then I think, you know, Texas can also be another really dangerous team in this conference. But I think for, you know, going back to just talking about the, the scoring defenses for both these teams— TCU is ranked at 54 in the nation in scoring defense, and Oklahoma State's 58. So, kind of middle of the pack when it comes to defense for both these both these teams. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Wait, Oaks, what was Oklahoma State at? 58. 58, and TCU is uh, 54. So, which also goes to show how impressive these offenses have been for Oklahoma State to be 58th in the country in defense, and to be eighth in the country means that your offense has been carrying the load all year. 
and they've been impressive. No, yeah. So it's gonna it's it's gonna be one of those type of games. You know, it's gonna be a shootout. It's gonna be, you know, who scores. It's probably gonna come down to who has the ball last. Yeah, and who scores the last touchdown. That's kind of right? how it was with the Kansas game last week. No, yeah, and you know, and I think I think it's fine to play like that, but I think you know you're gonna want to be able to you know get a stop. Yeah, multiple times in this game to kind of make it easier on on your football team. But with TCU being at home, they're gonna have the crowd with them too. I'm sure it's gonna be sold out. I'm sure it's gonna be loud. So it's gonna play a real factor for for how you know both these teams kind of kind of navigate this game. Yeah, so, and I know we talked about it earlier. It's good to see you know TCU back in the rankings, back in the top fifteen. You know this is back in the Mountain West. They were pretty dominant and. You know, seem to be ranked almost every year. I, I know that some years they were in the top five because us being Utah fans, uh, playing against TCU, was, it wasn't the funnest. Let's They're, just say that. Yeah. They, were, they were always tough to play yeah. against. So, I mean, it's good to see them back, you know, in the top 15, undefeated to start the season. Yeah, they their place, let's see, they hold 46,000. Probably going to be sold out, you know, crazy loud fans. And as, T, as TCU, have they won the Big 12? Since entering, they had a they had that controversial year in 2014. I want to say okay. where they were like the co champions of the because what the Big Twelve Big Twelve used to not do a title game. I think back in 2014, they would just have it was a record. It was the highest record. Well, yeah, so it used to be the highest record of or the maybe by percentage or in the conference record percentage or whatever. Whoever finished one was just declared, you know, Big Twelve champion. Yeah. So in 2014, TCU was tied with with somebody else, and they were declared co-champions, and that's what left them out of the playoff in 2014. Yeah. So if they would have played a conference championship game that year, TCU, if they would have won it, would have been yeah. in the college football playoff. Dang, that's which is pretty interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. And for Oklahoma State, you know, this is kind of their revenge tour season. They were literally inches away from making the playoff last year, losing to Baylor in that Big 12 championship by. I mean, like I said, a couple inches. It was that play to the left side at the pylon. So you know that they definitely don't want to miss out on that opportunity this year. And it, it starts with a big win against TCU this weekend. Let's jump into predictions. Yeah, I think my last stat before I get into my prediction for this game is going to be third down conversion percentage for both okay. these teams. Oklahoma State's 58th in the nation. So they convert on about 41 percent of their of their third down tries tcu's at 18 18 they can they convert about 50 percent of okay. their third down tries third down is gonna be a huge down for both of these teams this week they're gonna have to get in third and shorts and they're gonna have to convert when they get in those third down situations they that's can't a, be punting the ball yeah. back especially with how explosive both these offenses yeah. are so i think that's gonna be a huge factor is who wins on third down that's a pretty interesting stat for both teams who have been explosive on the offensive side. Yeah, and I think it comes down to, you know, Oklahoma State doesn't really see third down a lot. Yeah. You know, they're they're converting exactly. that first and second down. So TCU needs to get them into third down opportunities, and, and then they have to get off the yeah. field. So mm-hmm. it, that'll, be a, that'll be a battle I'm looking out for. Obviously, you know, the turnover battle is something you're always looking out for. But I think third down is going to be the number one Thing to watch out for in this game because if yeah. you can't convert on third down 
it's gonna be a long night for your football team absolutely so with that being said i i do have tcu winning this game i'm I'm a big fan of max duggan i think you know ever since he's came in you know week one are you a big fan of max duggan I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Of this guy, you know, <laughs> yeah. Andy Dalton 2.0. Yeah. So, and he he's more mobile than Andy Dalton, to be fair. Okay. But no, I, I he's just been balling. You know, I think he's been playing really good. You know, 14 touchdowns to one interception is crazy efficient. You know, Spencer Sanders is 12 touchdowns to two interceptions, so he's also crazy efficient. But I think Duggan is going to make the plays, especially at home. TCU's fans are going to be up for it. They're going to be ready. Fort Worth is going to be rocking yeah so i got tcu winning a close one high scoring one too and i think it's gonna be about that score i said earlier about 48 to 45 okay yeah something super high scoring so around that average it might be first to 50 wins yeah genuinely so (laughs) it'll be interesting to see how this game goes over the weekend yeah i think a lot of talk has been about the offense but i think the winner of this game is going to be who can make that one defensive stop that's going to you know in the fourth quarter that's going to you know change the tides of the game and uh, I'm basing my pick off of, you know, the fact that the last four years the home team has won this matchup. So I think TCU will get this win. I think Max Duggan, both quarterbacks have been great all year. Max Duggan's been great. Spencer Saunders has been great as well. But I, I got TCU winning just because they are at home. I agree. I think it's going to be high scoring as well. But who can get that defensive stop late in the fourth quarter, you know, maybe in the third quarter to be able to change that momentum and be able to get that win? If Oklahoma State gets this win this weekend, though, I'm going to have to be on their train the rest of the season because yeah. I've disrespected them way too much. I think you picked against them multiple I think times. I picked Baylor yeah. last time we did. Have we done any other Oklahoma State games? I probably picked against them that yeah, time, definitely. too. Yeah, definitely. So, but yeah, I just think, you know, again, I think I think playing at home really does make differences, you know, for a lot of teams. And, you know, TCU, we saw what they did to, you know, maybe, maybe what not as good of an Oklahoma team as we thought, but... You know, they, they play really good football at home, and I yeah. expect something similar. And TCU, this is your chance. You know, the winner of this game is going to be 6-0, and probably top seven, top six, to be a serious playoff contender. So great opportunity for both teams. I'd like to see TCU get this win and be back in that playoff conversation. So, yeah, we both got TCU winning at home this weekend. Three down, we got three to go, starting off with number 15, NC State, going at number 18, Syracuse's games 130 on the ACC network at Syracuse, New York. I know the line opened at three and a half for the Orange. And uh, the history between these teams, 15 total matchups between these guys dating back to 1972. NC State has won 13 out of those 15. And the last Syracuse win was back in 2018. That one was in New York. NC State is a team that we've talked about all year. I know that they had a big game a couple weeks ago against Clemson that they lost on the road. But, I mean, coming off a big win against a pretty good Florida State team last week, 19-17. On the other hand, we got Syracuse, who we haven't talked about all year. I know that we mentioned them, I think it was maybe last week when Brock was talking about his conference predictions. But, I mean... They've kind of had a softer schedule, probably plays into the fact that we haven't talked to them, talked about them very much so far. Coming off a bye, but before that, you know, 5-0 and wins against, let's see, yeah, I know they had, it was Louisville at UConn, Purdue, Virginia, and then they beat Wagner 
two weeks ago, 59 to zero, a team who doesn't have a win so far this year. So, I mean, first big test for this Syracuse team. Are they, are they a sleeper? Are we sleeping on the orange? I'm fast asleep on the orange. <laughs> I am so asleep on really? Syracuse. You got the snuggie. He's I got, got the, the snuggy double pillows, and he's sleeping. It's like I got like four blankets, <laughs> five pillows, three pills of melatonin. Man, I am so <laughs> asleep on the disease. Syracuse team. Okay, and I mean no disrespect to That's any pretty Syracuse. Disres- team. <laughs> <laughs> you can't drop that and just say no disrespect. But like your schedule is is softer than Charmin. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> like Purdue at home is a good win. You beat him by three, though. So, you know, okay, I'll give you that. Purdue's a good win. Virginia? Virginia's, eh. eh. Medium? Like, Louisville is is down. I know Malik Cunningham's good, but. Hey, a you know. big one against Wagner, though. Okay, the Wagner victory actually, you know, makes me think that Syracuse is the top four team in the nation. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't See, I, Syracuse is a really big unknown for me. I haven't watched a ton of Syracuse this year, if any. You know, I've heard about uh, Schrader and how he's been playing pretty good. You know, 10 touchdowns and to one interception is obviously a very good ratio. So I'm interested to see kind of what we get from Syracuse because I know their schedule becomes really brutal, and it starts with NC State, who is going to be very, very hungry going into this game, especially with, you know, them having to play basically perfect the rest of the way with them already having one loss this year. So NC State's going to come to town. I know they have a violent defense that's going to cause some problems to the Syracuse team, and it's going to be the best defense they've seen this whole year. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how they kind of manage that. Syracuse, they got um, Clemson next week on the road. So it's kind of those ones where it's like you can't overlook when you got a big one next week. But I, I think NC State is going to be just as hard. But, I mean, it is it is at home, so – and what, what was the stat you had on the NC State defense? Where are they at in the country? Oh, NC State. Oh, so so in total defense, I think Syracuse was top 10. Okay. And which, which I'd hope they'd be. With that schedule, yes. And I think NC State was like 17th or something okay. in, to, in total defense. So, you know, we might see a defensive battle. I know that's kind of how NC State likes to do it. They like to run the ball. And then kind of you know make plays when they need to, yeah, to kind of win the game. So I think you'll see something similar to that this week. But yeah, for uh, for Garrett Schrader and this Cuse offense, it's going to be you know how do you react to playing you know probably your first kind of real test of the game, and also back to what is up with teams playing so many home games. This is, is their fifth home game of the season already. Six, and they've so, already had a. They're coming off a bye, so. I don't know what's up with. Do they have eight home games too? No, they got five home games or seven home games. But still, still, that's still, a lot. That's a lot of home games. So, and you know, maybe that's kind of what Syracuse needed to kind of get their season rolling. You know, obviously you're five and zero. Oh, you know, you you can't really control. Well, I guess the players can't really control who you're playing. You know, they just line up and play who's on the schedule that week. So, fair play to the team. Fair play to the players. They're getting the job done. They're beating the teams that they got to beat. NC State is a huge step up, though, from anything they've played this year. So I'm interested to kind of see, you know, what Garrett Schrader can do for, for the Syracuse offense. And, you know, I'm I'm very excited to learn more about the Syracuse team. And maybe they can, you know, change my opinion about how I've been sleeping on them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, 
not more about the Syracuse team. We want to learn about them initially because we, we really didn't know anything about them except for the fact that they're 5-0 and and now they have an 18 next to their, their team name. But for NC State, I'm looking back at their loss against Clemson. I know that we watched that game together here. There was It was big night game. You know, Clemson's got their epic entrance, stuff like that. But I would like to see them get the run game going more. I think their leading rusher in that game had 32 yards for NC State. So, you know, you got to help out your quarterback who, who's been, you know, he's been pretty good all year, Devin Leary. He had 245 yards in that game, one touchdown, one interception. But, you know, he needs he needs some more some more help on that offensive side. I don't know where Syracuse ranks as far as rush defense. I don't know if you want to check that. But, you know, it's just kind of a little bit of a concern for NC State going into, you know, their second tough matchup of the year so far. I know last week they got the win against Florida State, 19-17. Florida State, I mean, we... We think that they're a really good football team as well, so a big win for them. I think that, were they both ranked in that game? Or No, Florida State was unranked. Probably should have been 25 ahead yes. of LSU. Yes, yeah. But I think that that's a pretty underrated win to be able to get that done against Florida State, who's holding that team to 17 points. It's pretty impressive. I know that Jordan Travis and that receiver, what's his name, for Florida State, your guy oh yeah johnny wilson yeah, johnny, johnny wilson. wilson johnny wilson been hearing a lot about him basically every week but impressive to be able to hold that florida state team to only 17 points to get that win last week yeah so syracuse stands at 16th in the nation in rush defense okay so that's gonna have to be a point of emphasis for emphasis for them uh they're gonna have to slow down this nc state yeah. running game because i know i know nc state you know they're very traditional you know they like to play physical at the line they like to you know run the ball down your throat and that's gonna have to be you know that's gonna have to be a key for the orange they're gonna have to do that better than they did against clemson obviously only 32 yards like it's got to be you know it's got to be better than that 100 percent to be able to get those big wins no yeah so i think that's gonna be a point of emphasis for sure and i think i think leary is gonna have to have a have to have a big game this week you know He's he's kind of been kind of been the heart and soul of of this NC State team, but I think this NC State team relies mostly on you know that defense. The defense, hundred you know, percent. I think that defense is full of a lot of studs, and I think they're gonna wanna you know they're gonna wanna turn you over and and give your give this offense some short fields to yeah. be able to punish um, Syracuse on Syracuse. Offense. It's just it's a really hard pick because I mean we really. Don't know Syracuse's potential with their schedule so far. I, I mean, they've won. They've been able to get the wins when they need to against questionable teams. I know they won big against Wagner two weeks ago, but it's just hard to, you know, it's not really comparing apples to apples when you're comparing Wagner to an NC State team who's got one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah, and looking down Syracuse's schedule, I know they're 5-0 and right now, but I can see a real situation where they're 5-5. Five and five by the end of week, week 11. Ooh, yeah. So like, I just want to see the Syracuse team tested before I kind of, kind of go in, in depth on like what I think about them. So, you know, they get the chance this week. If they beat NC state, you know, it only gets harder. It get, I think they'll, <laughs> I think they could jump into, you know, maybe a top 12 position with a big game against Clemson coming next week. If you beat Clemson, they, 
Yeah, you could be talking playoff over yeah, there up in absolutely. a up in a New York. So, well, if you win this game, I mean, with the amount of top ten matchups are, I mean, there's two top ten matchups, so two undefeated teams will lose this week. Actually, three. So, Syracuse will be six and zero with the top fifteen win under their belt. You know, maybe they're a top ten team at that point, undefeated at six and zero. Yeah, so I think this is a this is going to be a big game. For Syracuse, probably one of the biggest football games they played in in a very long time. So, will be interesting to see how they how they react. You know, they gotta they gotta lean on on uh, on Garrett Schrader. He's gotta be he's gotta be the guy for these uh, for these orange and um yeah. I'm interested to learn a lot more about this Syracuse team. I know exactly what we're gonna get from NC State. We're gonna get a team that wants to run the ball and have Devin Leary make plays from on offense, and they're gonna be really physical and tough on defense and try to turn you over. So yeah. That's the game we're gonna we're looking at. You know, I like NC State to win this game on the road against Syracuse. I just think they've been more battle tested. They looked really good against Clemson, and you could have made the argument they should have beat Clemson in a very tough place to play in Memorial Stadium. So, with that being said, I am gonna go NC State for the win. Okay. Uh, I just think I think they're more battle tested, and I think we're gonna learn a lot about Syracuse this weekend about yeah. what kind of football team they are. Absolutely. I like a low-scoring game. And before I get into my prediction, I have a question for you. You got Syracuse Orange or you got Tennessee Orange? Which is which is better? See, or which is worse? See, looking at Syracuse Orange now, their orange is even darker than Tennessee's orange. No, it is. You didn't know that? No. I thought I thought Tennessee Orange was Tennessee, darker. Tennessee, it's than... like almost a yellow orange. Syracuse Orange is almost like a it's like a red orange kind of. Yeah, kind of. So, I like Syracuse orange. I kind of like Tennessee orange <laughs> more than Syracuse orange. Well, they'll have to play. Now that they'll I look have to play at it. <laughs> but I think, I think most importantly, do we like Syracuse orange, Tennessee orange, or Illinois orange? Ooh. Because so Illinois orange yeah. is, 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 looks to be a little bit darker than. What about a Clemson orange? <laughs> okay, Clemson orange is nice. Oh, really? I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of Clemson okay. orange. Yeah, I got Clemson orange, and then I got Syracuse orange, and then I got Tennessee orange. I'm going to go Clemson orange, <laughs> Tennessee orange, Illinois orange, and then Syracuse orange. That's basically just the rankings I know, <laughs> of, I know. of how good the football team is. Okay, we got a little sidetrack. Anyways, my prediction, I got Syracuse winning this game. You know, I know the we Q's. haven't seen much. I got the Q's. You know, we've been sleeping on them all year. They got a lot to prove, a lot to show for, you know, the identity of this football team. I'd like to see them get this win and maybe enter the top 10 going into Clemson next week. That'd be pretty interesting because, I mean, if you're undefeated and going into that game, I mean, it's anyone's, it's it's really like, you know, anyone's game at that point. They, they could be a playoff team. So, you know, I like a low scoring game. I think it's going to be you know, less than 30 points each team, probably a close one. But, yeah, I got Syracuse Orange getting the win on Saturday. No, yeah, and so I think maybe even College Game Day next week, Ooh. Clemson. I don't know what other games are on, yeah. the, on the dock, but maybe, you know, Syracuse and Clemson for some. Did they already go to Clemson? Oh, is it at Clemson? Did Yeah, it's at Clemson. Oh, I guess they already went to Tennessee, so. Yeah. I don't know. So I guess we, I, we'd have to see what, what games yeah. are even. For sure, but yeah, even up, but definitely could be a chance there. Yeah, Syracuse is lucky that you know Alabama and Tennessee play at the same time as them because if they didn't, I would be fast asleep instead of watching them play football really? this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Yeah, well, I'm interested to see how this game goes. I really want to see, you know, what what Syracuse is about this year. Yeah, I hope they win so that you're wrong because you just been sleeping on this team. So I got the Orange winning that one. Game five of our, of our top six games to look out for this weekend. We got number 16 Mississippi State going at number 22 Kentucky 530 on SEC Network. This is gonna be Kroger Field in Lexington, and um, the line opened up at Mississippi winning by four, which is pretty interesting on the road against a pretty good Kentucky team, a little history between these teams. It's been a pretty back-and-forth matchup. The home team has won every game since 2015. This year, we get Bulldogs, who are 5-1, and one, with a Week 3 loss to LSU on the road. And then Kentucky, I mean, they've been pretty down bad, if I'm going to say, you know, two losses in a row. Who did they lose to? It was uh, South Carolina. South Carolina last week and then Ellis or Ole Miss. Yeah. Was that on the road? That was on the road. Yeah. Probably should have won that game. You know, it came down to some mistakes. Mistakes. Some turnovers late in the game with Will Levis. But you know, I like this quarterback matchup both, you know, NFL caliber between um Will Levis. It's it's actually Battle of the Wills. Will Levis and Will Rogers. Will Rogers, two gunslingers. So, yeah. So both teams Pretty desperate for this win, do you know? Even have a remote chance to be able to compete in the SEC. Yeah, it's uh seems like we've been talking about Mississippi State a lot the last couple of weeks, but the Mississippi State air raid offense. They are going to throw the ball fifty times a game and they're gonna smile while yeah. they do it. You know? If <laughs> and they have break, no issue with it. If they break, you know, ten carries, that's like a record. So <laughs> Will Rogers is gonna he's gonna get the shotgun and he's gonna He's going to hike it, and he is going to throw the ball every single down. Where's he so, at in the country for touchdowns? I think he's tied with CJ right now. CJ? Or maybe CJ is one ahead, but he's up at the top. Um, with 22? 22 touchdowns, okay. yeah. Yeah, he's been a beast all year. But They're relying on that arm is the most viable freaking, I don't know, dude. They're relying on his freaking arm in at Mississippi State for sure. Yeah, if Will Rogers goes down, so does the season. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. If the, I don't Protect know if the that man at all costs. But they actually ran the ball a decent amount last week, but they were also up a ton on on Arkansas. So They won big. They did, yeah. That was, that was, was impressive. Last week. Yeah, that was right. That was last yeah, week. It was impressive too. So yeah. I've been, I don't know, besides like the LSU game on the road, which, you know, is a tough place to play. I kind of I kind of like how that how their schedule has looked. You know, Arizona on the road. I think Arizona's a better team than they were. You know, a year ago, and then you know Texas A M at home. They kind of really handled them there, and then same with Arkansas. So we'll kind of see how they look this week against Kentucky. But I'm interested to kind of see if Kentucky has to change their game plan a little bit because I know when you're playing when you're playing against the air raid offense, who's going to throw you know, basically every down, it could mean that your defense could be, you know, on the field for shorter periods of time. Yeah. And Kentucky's offense will be on the field more depending on how quick, you know, Mississippi State is scoring. You know, if yeah. they're scoring pretty quick, then, you know, Kentucky's offense can be on on offense a lot more. So I wonder if Kentucky tries to match that and goes – you know, maybe a little bit more pass heavy or, or if they just try to control the time of possession and, you know, uh, run the ball a little bit more yeah. this week. So I think Will Levis is capable of, of making plays 
through the air and, and throwing the football. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see you know what their game plan is this week to combat that air raid offense. I wonder if we overhyped Kentucky after their win against Florida on the road, who seems to be a pretty mediocre team now because I know that after they beat Florida, what was – what was Kentucky was maybe top ten in the country after that, maybe seven or something like that. I think they're high. Yeah, yeah, they were like seven. Then they had their game on the road against Ole Miss. Should have won that game, like we mentioned earlier. And then they go back home against South Carolina last week and lose twenty-four to fourteen. So things kind of falling apart for Kentucky these last two weeks. I would like to see them bounce back and to be able to, you know, play up to the potential that we've seen them play at. Or maybe they're just not as good as we thought they were. They're only getting about 26 points per game. You'd like to see them be a little bit more productive on the offensive side. Defense about allowing 16 points per game. So pretty good. But um, yeah, they're also pretty pass heavy. You know, about 250, 260 yards through the air compared to their 92 yards on the ground. So kind of a similar play style to Mississippi State, just not on as high of a level, I would say. Yeah, I've talked about Kentucky's front seven before, and I think they're very talented, and they really you know, disrupt the quarterback. But I think, obviously, the main talking point in this game is Mississippi State's passing offense, which is fifth in the country against Kentucky's passing defense, which is 16th best in the country. So It's a good matchup there. Those are, yeah, those are two pretty good units that are going to be going at each other. So it'll be interesting to see kind of which one, you know, falters a little bit and, mm-hmm. and has the worst day. So, yeah, I think I think Kentucky's, you know, secondary is really going to be tested because they're going to see a lot of, you know, four wide receiver looks, you know, five wide receiver looks. And, you know, they're going to be playing coverage, you know, probably 80-ish percent of this game. Yeah. So they're going to have to be really stout, really fundamental, and they're going to have to make plays, you know, when the ball's in the air. The defense will have to make plays, but the offense has also got to help them out. If your defense is going to hold a really strong offensive Mississippi State team to, I mean, 30 points or less, then Kentucky needs to be able to score. I mean, the most points Kentucky has scored all year is only 31 points. You seen that? They for scored, Kentucky? Yeah, for Kentucky. Yeah. Only 31 against NIU and only 31 against YSU. Don't even know what that school is. I mean, YSU. Oh, Youngstown State. Oh, Youngstown State. Yeah, 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 yeah the right. Penguins. So, I mean, you got to score more than, like, you got to be putting up 50 points on teams like that, in my opinion. So, I know we've had a lot of high praise for Will Levis, but, you know, you need some help on the on the run game for sure. Yeah, they got to get the run game going, and that will just only open up the pass game for them as well. Mm-hmm. So, it'll be kind of interesting to see kind of what this offense can do. Cause I think they're going to have the ball a lot, you know, cause with an air raid offense, it goes one of two ways. It goes incomplete pass, incomplete pass, incomplete pass, you know, punt. Yeah. Or it could be like five yard catch, 10 yard catch, 12 yard catch, seven yard catch, 15 yard catch, you know? So I think if they can slow down the momentum of this, uh, this offense for Mississippi state and kind of, you know, turn a lot of those passes into incompletions. It'll keep their defense a lot more, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Less fatigued, yeah. kind of more energy, mm-hmm. which will allow them to kind of make, you know, more plays to get them off the field quicker. 
yeah. which will be very beneficial to them. And it gives the offense, you know, more more possessions to kind yeah. of, you know, score and put those points on the board. So it's gonna it's a really interesting battle playing against air raid offenses and kind of, you know, how that's gonna look yeah. this weekend. Yeah, it should be a fun one to watch a lot of passing. But I think I'm just gonna jump right into my prediction because I know who you're picking and I wanna be the first one to pick, but I think Mississippi State is he gonna win. I don't think it's I don't even see this being really a close game. I think Kentucky, if their secondary can kind of perform pretty well, then that will be the only reason that they stay in this game. But I haven't seen much from the offensive side. And Mississippi State, they've been looking dominant all year. I got Will Rogers winning that quarterback battle. And I just think they're going to be too overwhelming for that Kentucky defense. And we'll get the win, even though they're on the road. You know, you may want to lead towards Kentucky just because – you know, it's hard to play in SEC country on the road, but I mean, they weren't able to get it done last week against South Carolina, who's been, you know, questionable all year as well. So I think Mississippi State will get it done on the road with no problem. Will Rogers has been sacked nine times in six games. And for a team that's going to drop back and has thrown the ball 282 times, I feel like that's a pretty good number to yeah. only be sacked about nine times. So that's going to be the game for Kentucky. You know, they got to put pressure on Will Rogers. They got to get him uncomfortable. You know, they have to make him feel that pressure. And with that can become, you know, mistakes. You know, he's already thrown, he's only thrown three picks this year, which is yeah. pretty good. Really number. good. So for the amount of times he's thrown. I think if they can get that number to, you know, two or three picks in this game, I think Kentucky will have a lot of success. Can they do that is a different question. Yeah. But. I think I am going to go with Kentucky Whoa. for this game. And I think <laughs> Whoa. I believe the home team has won every single game since 2016, if I have that right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Home team has won every game since 2015. So 15. I th- 2015, yeah. so even better. So I think that trend continues. Um, you do know that Kentucky lost last week at home against South Carolina. I do. You do. Okay, so, I was just making that clear. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, continue with with that number. Actually, never mind. I have it I have it down that Will Levis has been sacked nineteen to, or Will Levis has been sacked nineteen times this year for Kentucky. So that's gonna be something on offense that Kentucky's gonna have to, you know, they're gonna have to prevent. If they wanna yeah. be successful, you know, Will Levis has to stay on his feet and they have to sack Will Rogers. That's gonna be the game right there. And with that being said, I think I think Kentucky will win this oh, week man. because I'm a big Will Levis believer, and I think he got what it takes to get this Kentucky team back on track. So you think Will Levis is better than Will Rogers? He wins the Will battle? Depends. Which Will I has think, more Will? I think Will Levis is a better NFL quarterback. But okay. I think, you know, for the position that Will Rogers is in to throw the ball basically every play, I think it fits, you know, his style and what he's trying to do. Yeah. So I, I think NFL-wise, I think Will Levis is a better NFL prospect. Just okay. because... This is a college game, by the way. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I just I, th- I think Will Levis will get it done. You know, I think his offensive line figures out how to keep him upright. I think his defensive line figures out how to get Will Rogers on the ground. Okay. And I think that's the game right there. All right. Well, I think Will Rogers has more Will. He's the Will with more Will. So that's why I got Mississippi State winning that one. All right, game six of our top six of the games is going to be a Pac-12 matchup. 
Number seven, USC going at number 20, Utah. This game will be 6 o'clock on Fox. It's going to be in Salt Lake City, Utah. These teams have played every year since 2011, and USC has won seven of those 11. Obviously, USC starting off the season 6-0. and The Utes coming off a loss against UCLA on the road last week, 42-32. to Do the Utes have what it takes to be able to slow down Caleb Williams and this star-studded offense of the Trojans? Well, Oregon State did, so... I don't know why Utah could. But <laughs> this um, one's personal. No, this yeah, game's this, personal for us. This uh, this Utah team is really interesting because they've looked really good in all their games except the two with a you know dynamic quarterback that can you know dual threat make plays with his legs or through the air. So you know DTR really tore him apart last week along with Zach Charbonnet. And then, you know, Anthony Richardson did it week one. So, you know, insert Caleb Williams, who's a dual threat, can make plays with his legs, can make plays through the air. It just sounds like a nightmare scenario for Utah. So it's going to be trouble. Could cause a lot of trouble. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of if there's a new game plan or or new something to, to slow down, you know, him on offense. And maybe they watch a lot of that Oregon State film and kind of see what they were doing on defense. Yeah. Because they had a lot of success against Oregon State's defense. So The Utes did? The Utes did, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what they learned from that game and kind of how they apply it to USC this week. Mm-hmm. The, I, I like how the Pac-12 has been, you know, super competitive this year. There's legit, I mean, now four teams. I know Washington last, last week, lost last week. But there's four teams who can make a run for the Pac-12 championship one being Oregon, one being Utah, I mean USC, obviously, and then UCLA, who who looked phenomenal last week with DTR on that offense. Would you pick um, DTR, Charbonnet, and Bobo over Caleb Williams, Travis Dye, Jordan Addis, and Jordan Addis, Addison? I would. You would pick the UCLA trio? Like, if you go just down the line, so, you know, we'll start at wide receiver. You know, between Jordan Addison and Bobo, I'm taking Jordan Addison. You know, Bobo is great and he's got the height, but I think Jordan Addison's the best receiver or one of the best receivers in the NCAA. I know Ohio State has some has some dogs up there, but I'd probably take Jordan Addison over Bobo and then Travis Dye and Charbonnet. I'm taking Charbonnet. I just think he's a big physical back and and Dye's kind of more of a he's kind of more of you know. Fits through the cracks, has the breakaway speed kind of back. And then between Caleb and DTR, I think right now, I think in a couple years, I think it will be Caleb Williams. But I think playing right now, I've been really impressed with DTR because he has all the athleticism in the world. He's just needed to limit his mistakes and be more efficient with the football. And I think we're starting to finally see that after five years at UCLA Yeah, from DTR. So I would take that trio based on, you know, I'm taking two over one, but I think by the time Caleb is done as a you know quarterback at USC, I think you know it could easily be Caleb Williams. I think it already is Caleb Williams, and for USC, you know first ranked matchup of the year, kind of struggled against Oregon State. It was 17 to 14. You would expect them to put up more points. 
you know, on, on a team like Oregon State who's not ranked. Same with Washington. Only won 30-14 last week. That game was at home, too. So the Utes, they got a, they got a long history of, you know, winning these big games um, at home. You, you, you think about last year when Oregon, who's ranked third in the country, you know, made the trip to Rice-Eccles. And, I mean, Utah dominated that game. Beat him twice, actually, last year. Was Travis Dye? He was on that roster, right? He was. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how he performed in those games. I, I, I don't really know. But, you know, first pretty big test for USC, and it's interesting to see that the line opens up at, you know, three and a half in Utah's favor. I wonder if they kind of, like, basing that off of how Utah performs in these night games in Rice-Eccles. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think the last time Utah lost a home game was 2020 during the pandemic against USC. But then again, you know, there's no fans. There's no fans in the stands, so it's completely different. But yeah, they went 6-0 last year. So far, they're, what, 3-0 this year? I think so, 3-0 yeah, this year. Yeah, San Diego State, SU, and Oregon State. So, you know, 9-0 and dating back to the last time they've lost at home. And I think the fans are a huge reason reason why Utah's so successful at home. It's it's a really tough place to play. Altitude really gets to you. You know, fifty five thousand strong. There's going to be no empty seats this weekend for this game with USC coming to town. And I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting test for not only Caleb Williams but Lincoln Riley because I don't think he's ever played in a stadium like Utah because of you know how the altitude does play play a factor it's going to be a little bit colder it's going to be probably in the 50s around game time so it's going to be a little bit colder game i don't you know i don't know what kind of effect that plays on players but i think there definitely is an effect so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how lincoln riley comes into this game and kind of what his game plan is for this utah football team yeah first big test i mean you think back when utah you know hosted michigan and it was you know, Jim Harbaugh's first game at Michigan, you know, they took care of business. What was that back in 2015, 2015 I think? 2015, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of a similar similar thing this weekend. We, I would like to see, you know, how Re- Lincoln Riley reacts to to his first big game in the Pac-12, in my opinion, I would say. No, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, he's been able to to make USC so competitive through the transfer portal. And I think we're finally starting to see a bunch of those pieces come together and, and create a truly good, you know, football team. Which is scary. It is very it's scary. Very scary. That you can, you know, go four and eight one year and, and be a college football contender yeah. the next, you know, through the transfer portal. Yeah. But yeah, like, you know, this USC I think this USC offense is talked about a lot, and you know, rightfully so, but I think this defense is something that needs to get a little bit more attention to. You know, they lead the nation in both sacks and interceptions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're forcing negative plays on on opposing offenses. But I think Joel Klatt had something that he that I was listening to that he said that I really liked. And he was saying that USC's defense is still a big weakness of theirs, but they're able to kind of hide it by having their offense be so explosive and getting ahead in games. So he's saying, you know, their defense can play a more aggressive and, you know, go for those picks and go for those sacks and, you know, blitz more 
more players and be more aggressive on defense because, you know, usually they're playing with a lead. You know, usually they're playing up, a, you know, a score or two, which, you know, made a lot of sense. And I think that's going to be what Utah is going to try to try to take away this week. So I think, I think they're going to, I think if Utah wins the toss or gets the ball or gets the choice of having the ball first or, or, you know, deferring to the second half, I think they're going to take the ball. I think they're going to get the ball and I think they're going to try to, you know, go down and get seven and, and put pressure on USC, you know, down seven, zero offense coming out. Crowds could be with them. I think they're going to try to put pressure on the USC offense early and kind of see what kind of mistakes they can get out of them. And I think on the other side for USC, you know, they saw what Zach Charbonnet did to that defense last week. You know, they really ran right all over him. And, you know, I think that's going to be maybe a point of emphasis, try to get a running game going with Travis Dye. Yeah. And then, you know, let Caleb Williams do his thing, you know, through the air. Just different running backs, though. You know, Travis Dye. Yeah, 100%. Charbonnet is a lot bigger than Travis Dye. So I wonder if it's kind of the physicality, because I know there was a lot of missed tackles on that Utah defense during that game last week against UCLA. But, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to see UCLA expose what we thought was a great Utah defense, you know, especially in that run game. You look back at their schedule, even in the Florida game that they lost, their defense didn't play terrible. It was just they couldn't get it done on that last drive. But since then, you know, winning against SUU, seven points. San Diego State, seven points allowed. ASU, 13 points allowed. Oregon State, 16 points allowed. And then to jump to 42 for UCLA, just a drastic change. And we're really exploited against a really good UCLA offense. Yeah, and I think... I think a lot of that comes down to maybe a lot of inexperience for Utah's defense. You know, there is a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing, you know, key snaps on that defense. And, and, you know, that's, you know, that's where mistakes can happen, you know, when you're young like that. But I think this game is interesting because Caleb Williams is going to want to throw the ball to, you know, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, all those weapons on offense. But I think Utah's best unit on their defense is their secondary. Yeah. You know, I think Clark Phillips the third, I've said it before, he's gonna be a first round draft pick, had a pick six again last week. If he's the one against Addison, which that's, I'm assuming, then that's I mean, that is a matchup to be a, looking out for. That's NFL, you know, in years to come for sure. Yeah, I think it was announced that there's there's gonna be a, a handful of scouts coming to watch. Yeah, I think this it was game. like twenty or something. Twenty scouts, yeah. yeah. So they're gonna be definitely watching, you know, Clark Phillips the third against Jordan Addison. That's that's probably two two players that are first round, you know, caliber players going at it. And then on the other side, you know, it's going to be, you know, JT Broughton and uh, Mario Williams. So we'll kind of see, you know, how that looks. And then, you know, Cole Bishop in that secondary with RJ Hubert, that's just a ton of talent in that Utah secondary. So I think, I think USC is going to have to stray away from what they want to do a little bit in this game. I just don't think they're going to be able to pass all over this Utah team without, you know, getting the run in place first. I think I think I think Dye is gonna have to be able to to run the ball first and kind of open up, you know, those passing opportunities for this USC offense before, you know, they can kind of throw it all over the yard. Yeah, I agree. So uh you ready for a prediction or you got anything more to say? Because I know this is a big one. We're we're both for we're both from Utah and we're both pretty big Utah fans. We try to keep it pretty unbiased, but um this, this is a good matchup for sure. Yeah, this is a tough one, you know, because this game reminds me a lot of of Oregon last year. You 100%. Know? High-ranked team, you know, coming into Salt Lake City. 
Playoff expectations. Playoff expectations, you know. So I think this game is going to be really highly anticipated by, you know, both sides. I think Utah coming off the loss last week is going to want to make a point. You know, this week, I know I know that defense didn't didn't get their best effort out there. I think they're going to need their best effort out out to beat USC. But I think this week we're going to see a different USC team. I think we're going to see a team that that wants to run the ball a little bit more, knowing, you know, how weak that front seven has been for Utah. And I think it's going to open up Caleb Williams to throw the ball because Utah hasn't been exceptional in getting to the quarterback either. So... I think that's going to be a point of emphasis for USC. And then, you know, on the defense side of the ball, I think I think they're going to try to, you know, take Tavion Thomas out of the football game uh, for for Utah and, you know, make Cam Rising make plays like he did last week through the air and really make Utah a one, you know, a one-trick offense with just that passing game. So with that being said, I am going to take USC in the upset. Well, I guess not upset, but with a, a tough road win um, against Utah. I think Caleb Williams is just going to be a little bit too much. I kind of expect a high-scoring affair. I know both defenses are pretty pretty solid when it comes to points per game, but I kind of expect this one to be in the 30s, maybe even low 40s. But I got USC winning a tight one in Salt Lake City. Okay. Dang, that's I did not expect that, honestly. But, I, yeah, I got, I got Utah winning this one. I got to disagree with Brock. I think just based off of you know how they performed last year against Oregon at home, this team does not lose at home. I think it's a I think it's a blackout game as well. They seem to do really well in that setting for the night games. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of talent on both sides. Obviously, USC star studded like we mentioned earlier, but I think the Utes and their defense and how they perform at home will be a lot different than how they performed against UCLA in the Rose Bowl. So. Yeah, I got the Utes winning, Cam Rising having a big game. You know, pretty close, probably a one-score game, not in the not the same as last year when, when Oregon went to town. But, yeah, I, I see Utah winning a close one against USC this weekend. All right, so those are the top six games of the week. Now we're just going to kind of run through the rest of the games to look out for this weekend, starting with Auburn going at number nine, Ole Miss. Who do you got, Brock? I got Jackson Dart. And them Ole Miss Rebels. Okay. Uh, they're at home. Auburn, I think, still has a quarterback problem. So They definitely still do. So, yeah, I just uh, not really high on Auburn. So I'm going to go Ole Miss to Ole win Miss. that game. Yeah, I got Ole Miss and Jackson Dart as well. Next one, a pretty interesting one. Number 19, Kansas going at Oklahoma. Do we know the status on Dylan Gabriel? I know that Jaden Daniels is out for Kansas. I think he's... I think we he's like projected to come back and play this week. He's in concussion protocol. Oh yeah, so, but yeah, yeah, he's still coming back. That's so right. it kind of depends on that. But yeah, it's an interesting. You know, maybe we get two backup quarterbacks. Maybe Dylan Gabriel plays. Uh, I don't think it matters though. Kansas. I, I'm not really high on Oklahoma. Like, oh, I, I really? used to be. I used to be high on Oklahoma. Oh yeah, for sure. At the beginning of this year. After watching them play their last couple games, I'm like, what happened to this football team? But. You know, I guess that's what happened when you, you know start playing real competition. So yeah, I got Kansas in a. I, who knows? The last time Kansas won on the road at Oklahoma, but I think, never. I think they get it done this week. I think yeah. the backup quarterback was pretty good when he came in. So yeah, he wasn't against TCO. Yeah, he didn't look terrible. He looked pretty solid. So I got Kansas winning again. I mean, it's hard to pick a team we just lost forty nine to zero. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got Kansas in um, a rivalry game too. 
That's a rivalry? Texas, Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, Texas. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Oklahoma, Kansas? No, no, no. no yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, next one. Let's see. Iowa State going at number 22, Texas. Give me Quinn Ewers. I don't want Texas. I just want Quinn Ewers. You just want Quinn Ewers? Yeah, he's so talented. Quinn Ewers and Iowa State. I got yeah. both of them. <laughs> Quinn Ewers is so talented, man. And I generally think, I know we talked about it a little bit, about Texas legit being 6-0 if Quinn Ewers never gets hurt. And I just so don't true. think I just don't think that's you know outrageous to say at all. So, give me Texas at home. Iowa State's you know they've played some close games, just haven't been able to get it done. Yeah, I don't think this one will be close though. I think Quinn and Texas keep on rolling. Keep on rolling them Longhorns. Yeah, I got Texas as well. Quinn was looking great. I mean, last week one big Iowa State. I know they played a close one against Kansas. I think it was like fourteen eleven. Just couldn't get it. Just couldn't get it done. I I don't see. That beat Texas. I think Texas is better than uh, Kansas. So, yeah, I, I got Texas winning that one. Minnesota at number 24, Illinois. So, yeah, this is an interesting one. You know, Illinois and Minnesota have the two best scoring defenses in the nation. Number one and number two. Who's so, one? Illinois is number one. Illinois is one. So, so Illinois got, one, yeah. Minnesota two. And for that reason, I got Illinois. <laughs> for, that reason, I got, <laughs> for that reason, I got Quinn Ewers. Uh, no, but... <laughs> Yeah, give me Illinois. They're at home. You know, they got the slightly better scoring defense. I expect this game to, to finish probably like seven to three or maybe ten six. I like four to four to two. Four to two. Four to two for Illinois. Three safeties. So <laughs> super low scoring, but Minnesota, or Illinois gets it done. Yeah, I got Illinois as well. I mean, they're at home. They're ranked. I got them winning. All right, number twenty five, James Madison at Georgia Southern. Did you pick this one? I did pick this you, one because because uh, James Madison is uh, they're five games into their to their D one experience. They just they just came up from from FCS okay. to a D one school and they're ranked you know twenty five five and zero start. Haven't lost in the only undefeated team in the FBS right now, like like ever, like oh, total yeah. total games. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So uh, and they got Georgia Southern uh, Clay Helton's squad you know former usc coach so this will actually be a good test for him you know in, in that sun belt so yeah. i think they keep it rolling though i got james how crazy would it be first season in d1 and james madison goes to a near six. Oh wow yeah that'd be, be crazy because because there, there is that group of five spot yeah that's right so, so highest group of five gets the near six bowl i would love for it to be james madison yeah now but, that you said that i want james madison too so, so i got that one as well that'd be yeah. that'd be sick that'd be way awesome for sure. They go they go twelve and zero. I don't know if the Sun Belt has a conference game. I assume they would. Yeah. Maybe maybe thirteen and zero, and they get a near six bowl against who knows, yeah. and then loses by forty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of that just that that'll be the but, true welcome to the FBS. I don't know. It's like it would be interesting because you know they've been recruiting FCS level athletes for for the last you know how yeah. many years, and now that they're D one they're still winning with FCS level athletes. Technically they haven't necessarily recruited you know, coaching D one athletes yet. And I think, it's, I think it's a process. I think it takes time to, you know, get new coaches in there, get facilities up to date, you know, so it'll yeah. be interesting to see kind of how they look. Yeah, Good to see them in the rankings and I hope they uh, continue to win. Right, we got number four Clemson at Florida state. That should be a good ACC matchup. I know it's the night ABC primetime game. Who do you got? Yeah, uh, Clemson struggled on the road against Wake Forest. So they obviously beat NC State. I guess they, they still beat Wake Forest, but it was a close game. 
I'm still going to go with Clemson, though. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Florida State, I just don't think they have it in them. Yeah. So, you know, they got they got the weapons to do it. You know, they got my guy, Johnny Wilson. Johnny uh, Wilson. Who's that again? He's a 6'7". Six, 6'7". Seven. Six seven. I Throw think he's it up a receiver, to him. right? Receiver. Right. Throw it up to him. He'll bring it down. You know, yeah. Micah Pittman, they got those running backs. But I just think Clemson's, you know, going to get it done yeah. on the road. Yeah, even though that Clemson secondary has been kind of questionable, uh, I think you just stop Johnny Wilson or Jordan Travis and you'll win this game. I, I, I got Clemson as well. I think it, it would have been a different pick if Florida State won last week to NC State, but I just didn't think they looked that good. So, yeah, I got Clemson winning that one. All right, we got Arkansas going at BYU Cougars. Both, I'm both coming off Both coming off losses. Yeah, Arkansas has lost three straight. Don't really look like the same team that they were a BYU couple weeks ago. BYU just lost to uh, – Lost Notre, to Dame, Notre Dame in the mid. in the Las Vegas in the Las Vegas game. Yeah, so I'm gonna go BYU. I think you know they win games like this at home. I think Jaron Hall has a huge day. You know, I think maybe proven that BYU belongs in the SEC. So oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just, I'm just messing. But yeah, I think I think Jaron Hall has a good day, and I think I think they win a close one against Arkansas. Yeah, I think this is different if if BYU had to travel to Arkansas, but since you know, it's at home, man. Yeah. It's at home. BYU wins these games. There's actually they, they beat uh, Baylor earlier this year. They're actually doing a special for this game. They're doing all chocolate cougar tails. Oh, all chocolate. Yeah, all chocolate. You know how oh, they really? usually like maple or whatever. Oh yeah, they're all chocolate now. Really? For this game, dude, I might have to go. I say I might have to go uh, <laughs> suck one down. Yeah, you know what I mean. Suck down a cougar tail. Okay. All right, next one. <laughs> we got LSU at Florida, SEC matchup. Give me the Gators. <laughs> Give me AR-15 and a, to have a humongous day. Dude, both these teams are down bad. Kinda. Yeah. I mean, LSU got crushed last week at home. Florida just hasn't looked like yeah. anything special since week one wins. So. Except I guess the team that they beat hasn't, hasn't looked special either. But. Yeah. So they're just not special. Yeah. You still got them. Yeah, give me give me AR, though. Yeah. You know, he's, a, he's big and girthy. So. Yeah. Sure. I, I like him to have a good day. So you got AR based off the girth. I think uh, LSU will combat the girth and get the win. In, with the, in with the skinny boy? With the skinny boy, yeah. Um, Mr. Daniels. Mr. Daniels will get it done. That's, is that a rivalry, LSU-Florida? Probably. Gotta yeah, it's got to be. There's beef down south. I feel like there's. I think all those games are rivalries. Yeah. <laughs> Anything so. to just make them hate the other SEC yeah. teams. So, yeah. But I got LSU winning the Swamp. Pretty interesting one. Okay, we got a Final Four college basketball matchup. North Carolina going at Duke. Who do you got? Give me uh, Coach K and the – oh, never mind. We're playing football. Oh, yeah. Um, who's at home? Uh, Duke's at home. Okay. I got Tar Heels on a buzzer beater. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, I got Drake May, you know, quarterback for the Tar Heels, hitting the three at yeah. the end of the game. Uh, Drake may get dunked on at the last second for the loss. Like, like this game's a rivalry game. Yeah, it is in basketball. Yeah, <laughs> I think I don't it's think probably they... the least bitter college football rivalry because yeah. it's just like, yeah, well, does that? I'll see you in December. Does that tension carry over to like this? Football I feel like game? I read something. It was like least bitter rivalries, and it was number one was North Carolina Duke for for football, obviously. Yeah, it's, yeah I feel like you know. It must be different fans or something. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like they just don't care yeah. for football. But give me Drake May. He's had a good season for the Tar Heels. Uh, you know, they'll go on the road and, and get it done against yeah. the Blue Devils. Yeah. 
So I got Duke as well. I, I know I made the joke about the the game winner for Tar Heels, but you know I got Duke at Duke at home just because they're home. Duke actually might hit a game winning three yeah. though. You know, with a field goal. With a field goal. With a field goal. <laughs> so <laughs> some longer longest field goal you've ever seen a forty yard field goal or forty yard three pointer. So yeah, we we both got Duke in that one. Stanford. Oh, uh, I had North Carolina. Oh, you had North Carolina. Yeah, my boy Drake May. Oh yeah, my bad. I got Duke. Yeah. yeah. Okay, respect. Um, last one. It's gonna be Stanford at, at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, Stanford, Stanford at Notre Dame. Notre Dame huh? Seems like they play every year. It's kind of a classic. I think they do. Yeah, yeah. I think they're. I think that's like a. I don't want to say rivalry. Yeah, but just but like a tradition game. The mid off. Literally, <laughs> this year, this I, year. I saw something and it was a uh, Stanford's quarterback Tanner McKee. I think somebody had him as a top ten pick in the draft. Who? His mom. <laughs> I, I I can't remember who it was. I think it was might have been Todd McShay, but I'm like <laughs> yeah. I'm like Stanford sucks. I'm and like then, like yeah. what do you mean? But yeah. give me Notre Dame. Yeah, they're at home. Their offense looked uh, competent last week. Yeah, you know I think uh, Mr. Michael Meyer, whatever his name is, Mr. Michael Meyer. Is that the is that the Halloween scary guy? I think Michael so. Meyer? Yeah. Shoot, what's that dude's name? That, like in a rap song or something. There's a Notre Dame's tight end. I can't think of his name, but I got Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, I got the Irish one as well. I feel like they have something to play for now. You know, team's kind of making a transition. They lost to Marshall earlier. They uh, lost to Clemson the first week of the year. But you know, I could see them turning things around, getting back in the top twenty-five after after a win here against Stanford. Yeah, so his name is Michael Meyer. Michael Meyer, the okay. Notre Dame tight end. Tight end. Okay. I don't know what the scary dude <laughs> yeah. is though. Yeah, we'll have to get we'll have to get the is scary. Is it Michael dudes Myers? Dude, is that I don't what it know. Is? I don't know, man. We're talking about football right now, yeah. not Halloween. I yeah, know we got yeah. Halloween Coming around the corner, but yeah, I think that's gonna wrap things up. We're looking at like an hour thirty episode. So if you guys stuck around, I know that the the average consumption per episode is about like fifteen percent. So it's good to see some of you get past the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you guys are like a couple minutes in, and you're like, man, I'm sick of listening to these guys already. But if you made it this far, we appreciate you guys. Um, we hope you have a good weekend. It should be, it's probably going to be the best game or the best weekend of games so far. And then, I mean, we'll be back Wednesday to, you know, bring you, or we'll be back Sunday, Sunday yeah. to bring you the recap for all the wildness and the AP changes for sure. But it's, it's good to have Brock back. Yeah, it's good and, to be uh, back. Yeah, drop a follow on the pod, and we'll see you guys on Sunday. Yeah, and say if you made it this far, you might as well. Yeah, if you made it this far, then definitely. I don't know who's making this far. Say, besides, this is a, definitely just my mom. We're just talking to my mom at this put, point. Put a review on there, too. Like <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're this far into the episode, you might as well you yeah. know, slap a review, yeah. slap a follow. So send it, send it to your uh, family members. Yeah, exactly. Know. Send it to your dad, because I know send everyone's dad, dad watches football. Yes, sir. On the weekend. So, yeah, if you made it this far, we appreciate you, and we'll uh, see you guys on Sunday.